Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 90. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button on the homepage, and download your Filler Up book today. It's free at CarsYeah.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I'm really excited to introduce a very special guest, Paul Hageman. Paul, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. Let's hit the road. Okay. Paul Hageman is a specialist at Gooding & Company. Gooding is a premier auction house featuring the finest in collector, vintage racing, and rare automobiles. They appear at premier automotive events throughout the country, including the Scottsdale Auctions, Amelia Island Concour, and the Pebble Beach Concour. Along with auctions, they support private sales and collection estate planning as well. Paul worked at the Lauman Museum in The Hague, the Netherlands, before joining Gooding & Company. And Paul's been an automotive enthusiast since he was a young boy, accompanying his father on tours, rallies, and CCCA caravans. And he's attended auctions and concours his entire life. He's also been a judge at many prestigious concours, including Pebble Beach. I've known Paul, I think, since he was about seven years old. So, Paul, I've told our listeners a little about you. Would you take some time and share a little bit more about your history around cars, your career, your interests, and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Yeah, so uh, I am actually, what I like to, to note, a third-generation car hobbyist. Um, and my, my grandfather was a collector, uh, and of course my father is a collector. And, and through all of that, I have grown up with vintage cars. And as long as I can remember, I've either been uh, on my way to a car event, at a car event, on a car rally, or in at least uh, one fashion or another involving myself, my spare time outside of school, with vintage cars. It's been a, you know, a, a passion since day one. Uh, and I've been very fortunate that throughout that, I've been able to find the time to stay involved. Um, the car hobby has really actually given me a, a large family. I've got uh, known collectors that are, you know, second fathers or, or uncle so um, <laughs> and so. And and in addition to that, uh, I've also been able to make it a career. Uh, so after graduation, as you mentioned, I went to work for the Lauma Museum. Uh, in the Netherlands, was, was, which was a, a great learning experience, a museum I highly recommend visiting if you haven't been there already to any of the listeners. But uh, additionally then, uh, found an opportunity with Gooding & Company and have been working with David Gooding and the team here for the last four years. Uh, and it's absolutely wonderful to wake up and head into work knowing that I'm going to do something that, which involves collector cars and uh, you know get to spend the day on the phone with, with hobbyists and friends and, and, you know, a greater part of this, this family and this, this group of people. Well, and it seems like every event I've been to, and I, I've been to a lot of events, I see you 
at every event since, and I've seen you since you're a little boy, tagging along with your dad, but you've been with Gooding now for about four years, I believe, and your title is a specialist. Can you help us understand what exactly do you do? Yeah, so a specialist is, is a broad term of those of us here at Gooding and Company that are the core group of guys who are tasked with you know, finding the collection which we bring to auction. Um, so I spend a lot of time at events, uh, a lot of time you know, meeting with uh, hobbyists, collectors, individuals around the globe. And what we do is we, at, at Gooding and Company, we really try and find the best of the best. And for each of our three sales annually, uh, you know, we what we like to do is, is plan ahead and think of sort of a, a collection and chase cars we'd want to own ourselves or uh, cars we know that uh, our collectors we work with want to own and we bring them to auction. And additionally, there's you know a lot of tasks that us specialists have, um, but it's it's generally a group of us that are tasked with the uh, the knowledge end of of you know bringing the cars in, understanding them, helping to catalog them, uh, and then a, you know additionally being on hand and helpful when the cars are brought to uh, the live auction, uh, whichever it may be during the uh, three different events of the year. Sure. Well, Gooding and Company, when I've been to your auctions, it's it's different than the way a lot of people think of auctions. A lot of people think of auctions as ziggity, 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 these guys talking so fast you can't understand what they're saying, if they're saying anything at all. But Gooding is different. Can you tell us a little bit about the philosophy with Gooding and Company and, and why that may be? Absolutely. Yeah, the, the philosophy of Gooding and Company, um, which is something that David Gooding set out to, you know, sort of, he, he saw an opportunity years ago and in 2004 he started the company and we had our first Pebble Beach auction. Um, and now 11 years later, I think our name is, is definitely synonymous with the quality of cars that we represent. And what goes into that is, I think, you know, have, David having assembled a team of very knowledgeable individuals that are truly passionate about the cars. Um, and we strive to bring the most unique, the rarest, the best example in a particular category uh, really just the best of the best to market. And I think where, you know, we have this sense that, you know, auctions are one and the same. Uh, I think we've, Gooding & Company has, has had the ability to really differentiate, um, you know, and it's it's not that sort of cattle-type auction, you know, livestock auction approach. It's, it's much more uh, in line with the, you know, like a Christie's art sale, high-end art sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and frankly, that's what we believe we deal in our um, our art items, uh, automotive art, and, uh, and and absolute collector's pieces. Well, it makes for, at least for me, a lot more comfortable environment when you're standing there and listening to the stories and the information about the car going over the block, and, and you, you don't feel like you're being yelled at. <laughs> you feel like you're being spoken with, and the the stories of the cars are being shared with you, and it's just a lot more comfortable environment, a lot more higher end, I guess is the way I should say it. Upper crest, maybe that's a little bit too too silly way to pronounce it, but I do enjoy the way you guys conduct yourselves in an auction. It's very, very nice. And certainly walking around and talking to the representatives about the cars, everybody always seems to know everything there is to know about the car and more. So that's wonderful. Thank you. We appreciate hearing that, and we, we really do try our best. And, uh, you know, whether it's David, the rest of us, or Charlie Ross, who we think is one of the finest auctioneers out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we hoped 
hope to always make it a very enjoyable experience. Yeah, Charlie is fun. He's great. He really makes makes the whole process enjoyable. And when the tension seems to get a little high, he always interjects some humor and brings everything back down to a, a fun level. So it's wonderful. If anybody hasn't experienced it, you definitely should. It's really great. So, Paul, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start the show with a success quote. It's a saying that has some meaning to you in your life, and it's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Paul, take the wheel. Yeah, and I think, you know, I owe a lot of where I am uh, and and where I've come in the collector car circle to my father, and and he's been a a great guide to me and and friend in all of this. Um, And one of his, you know, things that he often repeated, quote, was, uh, life is short, but it's wide. And, you know, that's something that I've tried to apply to a lot of things. And um, I think I've, you know, always tried to take the opportunity that there's there are other ways of doing things or there are opportunities that, that should be taken. And I think I'm very fortunate in having found this point of career that is, in fact, uh, a hobby and a passion of mine. Um, and I think it's, you know, his his encouragement of uh you know that that anything is possible um you know you but you need to look sometimes elsewhere for it uh, i think it's is pretty pivotal great to have a mentor like that in your life and a very special one is the father as well so and i know your father peter he's uh he is a great guy i've known him for a long time very knowledgeable as well about vehicles and cars and just a nice kind gentleman so hopefully we'll get him on the show soon as well so he can share some of his uh expertise about cars in his life. Could you share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars? And you've been around cars so much since you were just a little tight. Tell us if you can remember that pivotal moment when you really realized I am going to be that third generation of of car enthusiast. I think there's there's so many stories that uh, come to mind. And the tough thing for me is that it really does, you know, cars go all the way back into my earliest memories. Um, and oftentimes I've I've been on events, and as a as a young child I remember those, um, you know whether it was <laughs> making the uh, the front front cover of a local newspaper because I was I was the kid who had hands small enough to clean wire wheels where the rest of the family dealt with, <laughs> with detailing the larger parts of the car, you know my my dad was always very inspiring and helpful, and I think he and I what really set the tone was actually at, at the age of nine he. And I bought a car together. Um, and, of course, I think <laughs> at that age, it was very much him helping out in every every sense of the word. But it was a car we actually did some work on ourselves. And uh, it needed, you know, we needed to source parts and, and, and do those types of things. And it was actually an old military Jeep. It was a car that eventually my, both my sister and I learned to drive on. Uh, and learn to drive a stick, and it's actually a very forgiving car to learn on mm-hmm. because you, you can't can't break them. Um, so I think that's sort of the car that is the the earliest, you know, real true memory for me having an opportunity to get my hands on something, really dive into something um, in in the the full sense of you know being a an enthusiast and a collector and a hobbyist. Sure. Did you get to drive that car when you were nine? No, no, I actually had to wait. Uh, I think I was 12 or 13 at the time, and we were, uh, my dad drove it to an old dirt lot uh, somewhere near our house, and, and that's where we learned to drive. It made it a lot easier to uh, 
you know, you could kill it and and just kind of take your time and steer whichever way you wanted to. Oh, so, sure. Yeah. I don't I don't think I could have reached the pedals at nine. <laughs> well, you know, my son, when he was eight, drove his first car, Volkswagen Beetle, and it was on a farm. Okay. We had to put three pillows behind him, and I duct taped some wooden blocks to the pedals so that he could reach them. And uh, he yeah. actually he actually did okay. That's that's an also a very forgiving vehicle like a Jeep. So yeah, that's a great starter car. Yeah, I think so. So Paul, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl into the hood a little bit and ask you to share a big challenge that you faced. And your your career's been pretty short here, but you've been around cars for a long time. But maybe if we focus on a on a career, or maybe it's a car, but a huge challenge you faced, or even a big failure. And more importantly, share with our listeners how you overcame that situation, and especially what you learned from it. It's a very good question, and, and one that actually did challenge me. Um, of course, it's it's been a very short career thus far. But I think one of the things that has always been, you know, there there are, of course, two sides to every coin. And I think while I'm very fortunate to have a career in what is also my hobby, there's also the the management of that, uh, and that you know it's it's often you you have to manage your time and and really define the lines between you know what's what's work, what's play, uh, what's both, and those sorts of things. And I think one of the the times in in my life that really helped me with time management and and sort of making you know better defining the certain aspects of my life. When I was in high school, I had an old Land Rover, um, a car I still have today, and I it was my favorite car. I drove it daily, uh, and for my senior project, I decided to disassemble the car, and I ended up disassembling it much further than I ever thought I would. It turned out to be about a four-year restoration. <laughs> oh, goodness. And, yeah, so it lasted from high school into college, and it, it sort of it, it allowed me to, of course, have a much better hands-on knowledge of, of collector cars and, and how mechanics work and all that. But the tough thing was, you know, having taken something that meant so much to me, taken it apart and essentially kind of removed it from my life in a way, uh, and then figured out how to balance being a student and uh, focusing on my education uh, at a time when I really wasn't sure where I was headed. And so it, it was sort of a, a, a time to, you know, manage my relationship with collector cars, manage my relationship with my family and with school and those sorts of things. So, you know, in in a short, uh, again, a short career, I, uh, I I do think I've had an opportunity to experience a lot of different facets of, of what being an enthusiast in the collector car hobby is. And, and that was certainly one that, that taught me a lot of lessons. Did you find that process a bit overwhelming once you got it apart and realized how many parts you had on your hand? Did you expect it to last four years? Uh, just certainly not, and I think uh, anybody else that's done it will agree. They certainly come apart a lot faster than they go back together. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and there's there's certain things I'll admit I'm not good at. So uh, don't don't ask me to help rewire a car. Um, <laughs> but it was a it was a great experience, and you know it, it definitely teaches you uh, patience and tolerance for certain things working or not working, and. Uh, it also teaches you to ask for help sometimes. Oh, so. absolutely. First time I, I really did something like that was a very simple car. It was a car I was racing, a Lotus 18 Formula Junior. So pretty basic, simple car, but still took a lot of pictures because I thought, you know, it could be weeks before I put this part back on. I'm wondering if I'm going to remember 
how it goes back on the car. So I can't imagine a full giant vehicle like that. So do you still, and you still have the car today, you said, so is it back together and running and working? I do. Yeah. It's uh, actually a car. It's the car I've owned the longest uh, by far. I think I've had it for nearly 15 years at this point. Uh, I was just driving it this last weekend. It's uh, it's the one that will, it's in the permanent collection. <laughs> great. That's great. Yeah. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. And would you share a story with us when you had a real aha moment about your young career, a time when you realized, wow, I can really incorporate a career into my passion for cars and tell us the steps you took to take, turn that aha moment into a success. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when I was a kid and when I was doing this with, you know, initially with my dad and on my own, um, I was always very interested in, in the history of the cars and the history of a particular example, but additionally, you know, a, a model or a mark. I would always try and find, you know, whether it was a workshop manual or a, a mark-specific book, um, if, if something new came in the door or something caught my attention, I would spend a lot of time learning about it. And what's sort of at a certain point, uh, and, I, and I don't remember precisely when, but I remember as a teenager, I started to notice that, uh, you know, other hobbyists and, and some of my dad's friends and people I knew that are in this business, you know, were asking me my opinion and, and valuing my opinion. And I, and I realized that at a certain point, you know, there are there are many ways to to enter this hobby and, and to look at it and, and to look at an individual car. And I've always been intrigued by, by the history aspect of it all. Um, and I think, you know, there's, for something that I'm so passionate about, there, there's nothing I, I'm not interested in learning uh, about them. So I've, uh, you know, I've always spent a lot of time uh, trying to, to, to know as much as I can and learn as much as I can. Um, and I think that in a hobby like this, uh, where there's there, it's so multifaceted, and there really is so much to know, so many sources to turn to, uh, and of course, you know, in my current position as someone who works for one of the you know the, the premier auction house, to really be a tool that individuals can use based on what I've learned throughout the years, and and that I can, you know, give give sound advice and have have good judgment based on all the time I've taken to really understand both the cars specifically and, and the market uh, in general. Well, I think that's great. And part of this is the fact that when people started asking you for your opinion, you probably at first thought, well, gosh, why are they asking me? I'm just a kid. But then you stop and go, well, I've been around cars for a long time. Even if I'm only 15, 16, 18, 20 years old, I've been hanging around cars and listening to people talk about cars a long time. I do have a lot of knowledge. So it is a great aha moment when all of a sudden you go, that's right. I do know something. <laughs> I know a lot. <laughs> so uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, especially when you've been uh, hanging out with someone like your father and your family and all of the friends he has and the acquaintances. That's That's spectacular. Let's have a little fun here. What was your first really special car? And could you share a memory you had with that vehicle? Yeah, and I think uh, that would be my, I'd have to fall back on my Land Rover again, because it was, a, you know, a car that I had invested so much time and effort in. But even before that was a car that I, you know, 
I drove daily. I had a more modern car, but I, I didn't want to drive it. I enjoyed driving the old Land Rover with the you know non-synchro first and second, uh, and it was actually, for the most part, a pretty basic car to work on. Uh, I would take it to shows, Land Rover Club events, uh, and I think it was the the it was special to me, uh, and remains special to me because it was really the first car that I had that I used on my own mm-hmm. uh, to attend events and to participate in events, which which is always I, I think a great great first feeling, and it's a it's a you know a, the car's a family member, um, and you know, <laughs> I, I would never sell it, but I also think you know for example my mom would kill me if I ever sold it. <laughs> so. Does it have a name? No. No? no, that's one thing we never did, actually. Okay, well, that's interesting. All right, it's just we just refer to it as the rover. The rover. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. The rover. There you go. Now you've had a lot of vehicles in your young life. Cross your hands. Is there one that you sold that you really wish you could have back? Absolutely, um, and it it's uh, that's a hard question to answer because there's a few on that list, um, sure. and I, I've I've been fortunate enough to to try different things out in my short run at this, but I had a 356A coupe um, that was a beautifully original car, uh, real limited ownership, uh, and it, it was, you know, a, by today's standards, a fantastic preservation car, um, and it's something I really wish I'd hung on to, actually. Mm. Oh, it's one of my uh, one of my favorite cars, bucket list cars as well, so yeah, and you've you've always you and your father both I think have been interested in preservation cars quite a bit. I even believe your dad was really into them before it became real popular in the concourse circuit, right? Yeah, absolutely. He um he's uh, you know on the selection committee for Pebble Beach and chief class judge of the preservation class there uh, and has taken on similar roles at other events, but he you know he comes from uh actually art and antiques uh as a business as well. So he has has taken those principles of preservation, um, and actually where you know the restoration of something or refinishing of something can devalue it, and apply that to cars. And I think it's it's one of those things that is is incredibly important, um, and uh, you know also a big passion of mine. Um, so it's 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 great to uh, sort of have you know to be a, a bit on the forefront of that and and really watch people and the market in general and collectors and concours events uh, start to understand the the importance of preservation. Oh, I think it's great, too, because it's only original once. You can restore anything back to any grandeur, even better than it was when it was new, but it's only original once. I really appreciate the fact that your father's done that and that you understand that, and it's become a, a big part of the collector car industry or hobby, if you will. That's wonderful. Is there a current project that you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? Yeah, so I'm, <laughs> I actually found a different example of the car that got away. So mm-hmm. I recently ended up finding a, a 356A coupe that I bought here in Southern California from the original owner. And while it isn't quite as nice as the one I used to have, uh, it, it does need a little work. So that's that's the project at the moment. But it, it's a it's a wonderful car with with great history and, you know, actually, a, I think the file that accompanies the car is better than the car is itself. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, but uh, so that's that's something I'm looking forward to uh, to working on in the in the months to come. What year is it? It's a 58. Oh. 1600 Super, yeah. Oh. <laughs> that's the year I want. That's the year I was born. <laughs> that's why that's the year oh, I want. It? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
I've always been uh, partial to A coupes, and like I said earlier, you know the, that's that is for me the one that got away. So I was happy to find something that, uh, while not not quite as good as the one I had, is is still a car that makes me very happy, and I'm I'm thrilled to to finally own one. What's the color? It was originally white with black. It's now silver with black. So okay, great, beautiful. Yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing that someday. I hope you hang on to that one. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, here's a very interesting question, Paul. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? I, th- I think that's a fabulous question and a tough one to answer because it's, you know, there's such a broad spectrum of cars. But in having given it some thought, for me, it'd be the Volkswagen Beetle. Oh, okay. And why a Beetle? Because uh, I think uh, as as cars go, you know, while they may be common, uh, you know, they're dependable, they're particularly charming, and I, I think that's a car that, uh, regardless of whether or not you like cars, you see one of those and it puts a smile on your face. <laughs> so they're they're approachable and, and they've just, they've got something. Well, I think that's a good choice, having known you as long as I have and watched you grow up. That's definitely Paul to me. Approachable, makes you smile, nice guy, dependable. I think you picked the right vehicle. That's great. <laughs> Well, I appreciate that you agree with me. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Well, I started asking that question a while back. I changed an original question because of one of my guests who suggested that question. And I really like it when people answer true to who they feel they are instead of picking the car they like. Right. You know, well, I'm a Ferrari or I'm an F1 car or whatever. Picking a car that makes sense with their personality. Uh, that's great. I love the way you answered that. Great job, my friend. <laughs> All right, Paul, this is uh, one of my favorite parts of our talk. I call it the last lap, and this is where I fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you buckled up, ready to go? Yeah, Okay. Absolutely. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Wait for the right car to come along, and then when it comes along, step up for it. There you go. Because, uh, I, yeah, I think too often people uh, people jump the gun or, or don't do their homework, and and uh, one of the things that really bothers me is if a first-time purchase of a car that isn't quite the right car, quite up to the quality level, uh, can easily ruin the hobby for a first-timer. Oh, absolutely. Can you share one of your personal habits that you think has contributed to your success? I'm I'm a very organized person, and I, I think that's something that, that suits me well. I do like to think that I'm, I'm hardworking, so in, in being organized, it helps facilitate how how quickly I can work and efficiently I can work. But I, I'm, I'm that way with my cars, my automotive library, just at home in, in general. So I, I pride myself on being very organized. I would think you'd have to be with the career you've chosen because you've got to juggle so many different things all the time. The combination of knowledge of vehicles, vehicles that are available, then you add the personality of the collector, the seller, all those different facets of what you're doing requires Great organization, I would assume. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Great. Do you have a resource that you could share with our listeners that you really enjoy, you go to often? Maybe it's a website or maybe it's an app you use on your phone or uh, a blog that you receive? The one that for me is the most helpful regardless of what I'm doing. And I I think, you know, there are great truck drivers, mechanics, uh, detailers that, that you use for different things. I think the one that that always comes through is eBay, because mm. uh, you know you never know what you're going to find, and sometimes you can find something you've been looking for for a long time. 
Yeah. Oh, there's. Yeah, I've bought far too many things on eBay, <laughs> and yeah, you can and that, you can find anything you want on that site. It's incredible. Yeah, and that that actually may be one of the problems. You find things you need, and most of the time you find things you don't need, but you buy anyway. I know it's that thing my mom used to tell me when I'd say I I need to have that, and she goes, "No, you want it, you don't need it." <laughs> right. So, would you share a book with our listeners that perhaps you recently read that you really enjoyed? My favorite book at the moment, which is a recent acquisition, was Roy Spencer's Motor Binder. Mm. And it's a, it's a great, it's obviously mostly pictorial, but it's from, uh, it's a lot of unpublished photos uh, from California, specifically the Bay Area, uh, sports cars, sports racing in the late 50s, early 60s. And that's an era um, and, and it, that's, that's particularly attractive to me. Uh, and I think it's a it's a great new publication that has a like I said a lot of unpublished photos. Uh, it, it's entertaining front to back, and and really relatively inexpensive. As we know, some of these these automotive books can uh, can be pretty difficult to obtain just from a from a pricing point alone. Oh, absolutely! And you'll be happy to learn that Roy's going to be a guest on Cars, yeah. So, oh, um, great! Yeah, he'll uh, be on the show in, in not too long, actually. So. Okay, I'll be sure to, to keep an eye out for that. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be great. Do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars? Beyond cars, because it is work and pleasure for me, it does take up a vast majority of the time. But I'm a, I'm a pretty active person, and I think some of the things that fall in line with that are, are, are the outdoor things. So in addition to taking Sunday drives, I like to go for bike rides uh, or hikes, those sorts of things. But uh you know, not not much time after cars, but that's just fine by me. Yeah, there you go. Well, I'll remind our listeners that you can find all these great resources that Paul shared with us at com slash Paul Hageman. Okay, we're up to the checkered flag here, Paul. This last question can be a real doozy. If you yeah. could only have one collector car in your garage, and this is something you can't sell to buy other cars with, I've taken care of that idea in your mind since you deal with buying and selling cars. And money's no object. I'm going to buy you whatever you want today. What would that one vehicle be and why? This is a question I actually get asked a lot and generally by friends and individuals I meet who, don't, who aren't in the hobby, mm-hmm. uh, which makes it a very difficult question to answer. Uh, however, you know, knowing the audience uh, and knowing that it's, it's car guys listening, for me it's without a doubt uh, Alfa Romeo 8C2300, um, a, a short chassis touring body car, and there's there's one in particular. It's the uh, the Romaldi Alfa, um, and it's owned by a, a California collector, and it's a car that, uh, in, in my mind, is is one of the greatest sh- chassis ever built. It's fitted with one of the highest quality and most beautiful bodies you know available at the time or or ever built. And, and on top of that, this particular example is a car that is, uh, while not perhaps entirely unrestored, is is in fact a preservation car. So as a item uh, to to look at as as something to drive, uh, and additionally as a preservation piece, it it strikes me on many different levels. Oh, it is a be. I'm familiar with that vehicle, and it is a beautiful car. And coincidentally, there was a guest on Cars Yeah last month who picked that same car. So. Seems like uh, now we've got an auction bidding war going. So (laughs) (laughs) That's always a good situation. Well, except I'm the guy buying, so I think I'm in trouble here. (laughs) I may have overstepped my wallet in this case. (laughs) If it's easy to do in this hobby. Yes, it is. 
Paul, you've taken us on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with me and with our listeners. Would you give our listeners one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that alpha? Of course. And uh, and firstly, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, I think the, the you know the the point I want to end on is is you know for me this has just been such a fantastic hobby, and I think a lot of that is because of the people. Um, and I think, you know, anybody should take the opportunity to, uh, you know, to, to do as many events and, and try out different cars and types of cars because you meet different people. Um, and I think a lot of, you know, a lot of people that have either been on the show or listening to the show can agree. It really is the people in the hobby that, that make or break it for them. That's one thing. And, and if I can sneak something else in there. Yeah. For me, one of the things that I think is paramount in collector cars moving forward is for people to learn to respect originality. And I think while preservation today is more prevalent than ever, we're still not doing enough. Whether you are a collector of original cars, um, you know, which is fabulous, I, I still think there are cars out there that are being restored that shouldn't be, or cars where you know, you, you can't live with the original interior, so you, so you redo it. And I, I think we cannot forget that we are, we are simply stewards of these cars. Um, and we have an obligation, and and I think that this is, you know, it's it is a very personal uh, thing to collect cars, but you know, we're, we're part of something larger. Well, I appreciate you sharing both of those ideas with our listeners, and I agree with both of them. It really is about the people. And I wrote one of my blogs I do each week was about that and that car collecting, and it was right after coming back from Pebble Beach that it's about the people the camaraderie, the friendships you build, and it's very true. But I, I love the other point about preserving vehicles. You, you'll be happy to know the last two collector cars that I've had, still have one of them, are preservation vehicles. So um, I'll try to, uh, to keep that in mind every time I, I'm tempted to change something on the car. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> and how can our listeners learn more about you and the company you're with? Very simply, goodingco.com. So Gideon Company, I, you know, I would hope that most of you know who we are, but uh, we're very, very attainable on the web, um, and and that's where you know anybody's here uh, who works here, their contact info is is up there. Um, you know, we have three auctions a year: Pebble Beach, Scottsdale in January, and of course at the Amelia Island Concours in March. Um, so we're very much a presence uh, here in the U.S. and 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 abroad, and. Again, the website, goodingandco.com, I think is, uh, for starters, the easiest way to get a hold of us. Well, I'll make sure, again, that listeners know if you go to carsyeah.com slash Paul Hageman, and his last name is H-A-G-A-M-A-N, you'll find links to everything he shared with us, including Gooding and Company. And I would encourage you to go there. It's a tremendous site. It is so much fun. You'll end up spending hours looking at all the vehicles, learning about the vehicles. It's a great place to go if you're an enthusiast. Paul, I want to thank you for being so generous with your time and your expertise and sharing your experiences in your life with our listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. All right. Thank you. See you soon. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!